welcome to A Gem of a Secret Podcast. My name's Donna Telling My Secrets. Or you can just call me Donna. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and my name is Coco Gem Holiday Unchanged. <laughs> One day. How you doing tonight, Coco? I'm doing great, except I've been thinking about my name change in the sense of that, like, the name of this podcast will not yeah. make as much sense. Yeah. And um, we do actually have some exciting news about that. We are... I can kind of finally announce uh, we are actually going to be taking this show live. Yeah, <laughs> a taking it podcast. on the road. Uh, you know, on the on road. the road to downtown. On the road to downtown. And also, <laughs> if you want to, like, we might, like, you know, as we get our following, we might do shows in other places and whatever, yeah. and that'd be cool. And just being those traveling podcast artists who talk mm-hmm. about bullcrap, but you all pay tickets to see it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So that'll be yeah. cool. I'd love that to be my primary source of income. That'd be fun. Yeah, it would be great. <laughs> I think a goal that I have for this podcast is just to grow our audience and get more of a reach this year. Yeah, um, we're already doing a pretty effing decent job mm-hmm. um, because some of the topics where we finally like went in and like you know stopped being so careful. I feel like Don and I are incredibly careful and we try not to be careful. Yeah. Uh, but we want to be sensitive, but we end up being too careful. Yeah. Which also can make it to where the conversations don't go as deep as they need to. Yeah, I think I'm very scared of being canceled. So. Oh, yeah, because she, she'll just see me get canceled. She's like, oh, my God, I don't, I can't even. I don't even, I'll, I will, like, delete, I'll, I'll have you all know, like, <laughs> if people decide they really want to come for me, I will just delete everything and disappear, and I'll go live out in the woods, and that's what will happen. It's really rough. <laughs> it's really rough, honestly. Um... Yeah, so Donna, what are you wearing this evening? I am just a giant pair of lips because I'm paying tribute to Faye from Euphoria, um, to everyone who watches that. I watched yeah, she has really big lips, so I'm just dressed as that character tonight. And big eyes, played by Chloe Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, I decided to take it in a different tack today. Actually, uh-huh. I decided to buy every available feather that, um, you know, the Michaels slash Hobby Lobby kind of type store that I mm-hmm. went to had. And I bought all the feathers and then I put them on me, but I put it like, I kind of like stuck them into a trash bag. Mm-hmm. So I kind of look like Big Bird, but I put a belt on it to make it chic. Trash bag and chic. <laughs> okay. An oxymoron. <laughs> no, I, I love it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm actually in a show um, that, as the release of this, the show will have been yesterday, uh-huh. uh, called Garbage Scouts, where I am planning on doing Satisfied, where I'm singing it live. And the thing is about it, like, this show is like, bring your garbage to the stage. Like, bring yeah. your creative art to the stage. Like, And I, I love that. And the reason I'm doing that, and I've sang Satisfied before. Uh-huh. But I've never really, like, sang it in the way that I wanted to. Yeah. Because, like, the song technically has three parts. And um, I wanted to be able to figure out a way to where I wouldn't have to have, like, a cast of people to be able to do that song. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm going to be doing. And I have, like, this, like, Victorian gown I'm going to try to fit into or something like that. And, like, we'll see how it works out. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm an artist. Yeah. An artiste. I'm an artiste. Um... So we wanted to talk about, we wanted to touch off real briefly, if you listened to last week's episode, this was a current event episode, uh, we did talk about Ukraine. And so we wanted to give an update today, 
from kind of like where we were last week, literally yeah, like the it's day been after. A week. Yeah. yeah, the day after we, uh, le- not even day. I think like it was hours. hours after we released the episode, Russia invaded Ukraine. Yeah, and and it was sad. And it's heartbreaking and. There's horrible. been casualties. There have been casualties. Many casualties. Many, many casualties. And uh, a moment of silence, literally a moment of silence for all the people who've lost their lives due to the senseless violence. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's been heavy. It's been very heavy. And... Honestly, I think the best thing that we can do right now is to follow people who are experiencing it in real time. Mm -hmm. Um, What I've been doing is I've been following multiple influencers who are from the Ukraine. Um, I've been following um, multiple people that are from that area. Um, There's some Russian influencers, so I'm also getting that perspective. And there's so many citizens that do not want this war to happen. Um, And I think that that's you know, obviously on both sides, like, um, I just think it's important to point out the fact that it comes down to a authoritarian leader that is making this decision. And we should also be kind to the Russian people that do not want this. Yes. And war is terrible. Yes. I mean, and I know that that sounds like a simplistic phrase, Mm -hmm. but I looked it up during our, our moment of silence, but roughly a little over 400 civilians have lost their lives. And that is truly heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, um, it is. Like, because I know that a lot of us can't imagine war in the sense of like, I know we have family members who might have served, but a lot of us haven't. And it's mm-hmm. hard to imagine war, hard to imagine destruction and losing your life because of you're trying to defend your home. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been seeing some like really problematic coverage of this because it is a war that's happening in Europe. And there's a lot of, a lot of reporters that are saying like, Oh, these are civilized countries because it's white people, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a war amongst white people. Um, And I think that's something also that we have to keep in mind is that even during this time, there is um, a lot of racism in this region as well. Mm -hmm. There are, currently African immigrants that are being held from getting on the trains to leave the Ukraine by oh. Ukrainian citizens. Um, oh God. And so they're having to be in contact with their en- embassies to figure out emergencies to leave the region. Um, so yeah, there's still, you know, there's still a lot of issues with that that are happening as well. Um, mm. And that's, that's a part of this that's happening. Um, I always wonder, I wonder something too. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the thing that I've always thought about when it came to war. Yeah. Is actually to go along with what you just said about the racism. Um, I can't imagine myself being a person who my biases would then come into play in a time of uh, fear. Yeah. Um, in that way. But even on the other side of the coin, I can't imagine myself being um, a soldier and ending the life of someone no without like having like because my leader tells me to right? yeah like that that feels so weird to me and that concept feels incredibly foreign in that way yeah like that's really gross and alarming especially for like the reasons behind this war 
are not strong enough in no. any capacity. No, th- honestly, the reasons for any war aren't because war. I think what was it, uh, George Carlin, that said that war is a game in which rich men send poor men off to die yeah. for their self own selfish causes, right. um, and that's exactly what it is. So right, and I recognize. And I also recognize that because some people said that war is a necessary evil. I don't agree with that phrase. Yeah, I think that things can be handled diplomatically. Yeah, um, and even that make, if that makes me sound naive, so be it. But I do believe there should always be a way to come to terms with something, because like wanting wanting something that somebody else has is never a cause for death, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And like even when I think about a war, obviously that's really important to the existence of Black people in general is obviously the Civil War. And, like, obviously the disagreement, but that really was rich people mm-hmm. not wanting to acknowledge, um, you know, acknowledge that they can no longer use a person for financial gain. Yeah. Like, and even though that's a great reason, that could have, that should have still been able to be handled diplomatically. Yeah. Even yeah. in those times. Yeah. So it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. And also, when I said, like, follow influencers, I mean, follow people that know what they're talking about, obviously. So political influencers. Um, I feel like that's super important during this time is just to get... Especially because they're there. They're there. It's not like Donna's, like, following, like, Barry Cherry on TikTok being like, hey, (laughs) she had an opinion I liked. It's like, she's like, oh, somebody in Ukraine is talking about these specific serious subjects. Exactly. And even anecdotal information from influencers who are there Mm -hmm. um, are actually really important right now. You do want to hear more sides of a story even yeah. people who agree or disagree with what's happening yeah i mean honestly i've been able to see like the leftist perspective on this is obviously that american imperialism is bad as well and that's mm-hmm. what's fueling ukraine in a lot of ways and yeah. so um you know obviously it's not in support of russia it's against war just in general right. and that's that's kind of i mean that's the standpoint i have as well i think anything that we can do to avoid this is obviously what we need to do but um i i don't know what we can do at this point because i don't know i don't know how effective these sanctions are going to be mm-hmm. there's a lot of things i don't know and so that's why i'm encouraging our audience to really go out and check multiple sources that are yeah. there really understand what's happening so we can make informed decisions and even have informed opinions when we're talking about it publicly yeah and the financial sector sector to which i work uh, we have a lot of conversations about what's happening because um you know the financial sector is taking a hit in multiple different avenues and there's been a lot of like attacks on the financial sector where people are trying to like they're pretty much trying to steal money yeah trying to like i mean that's what's happening and so we've been having those conversations and those dialogues about what that picture looks like right now especially during this time are we talking about cyber attacks from russia too attacks okay Mm -hmm. yeah and that's a big thing that has been on people's minds it has been and i mean like it's just it's just another thing to make sure that we just need to stay vigilant yeah informed yeah I was seeing videos of people encouraging everyone to get like a VPN and everything. Um, yeah, which... I I mean I mo- I somewhat agree with that. I yeah. mean it is a little bit more secure and like there's there's ways to protect yourself and you know and doing those things. I will I will admit that like people who most people and probably even majority of people who listen to this podcast like you are not going to get attacked. You're not going to get a cyber attack. It's just not a thing. Yeah. Um. 
there has to be something that makes you special for people to want to look at you in that way. Yeah. Like easy targets. Like what are you going to get from my, my poor ass? Like, that's like, <laughs> like, Oh no, you stole my social security card. Have that five bucks. I made yeah. For real. Yesterday. For real. Yeah. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> open a credit card in my name. They'd be like, Oh, you can't open a credit card in their name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that credit is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. So just keep that in mind, folks, when you decide to go down that rabbit hole of being a little bit too paranoid. Yeah. Um, before we continue on, Donna, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I will let you know after this brief break. It's a podcast with Coco and Donna. Tell a podcast. Tune into what they tell you podcast. With Coco and Donna. Tell a podcast. I am feeling sobering right now. <laughs> Gosh, I almost want to edit that out. Don, <laughs> uh, it's been a year sober. Yeah, it's been a year since I've had a drink of alcohol. Uh, I do want everyone to know that I do, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I do still work in the cannabis industry and I do still partake. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Yeah, she's been sober from liquor for a year. That's all I've done for a year. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) year. Oh, I meant like cannabis. Oh, oh, I was like, like, oh, well, I was like, you did other things. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I've even like taken months off of doing that too. So it's definitely been a year of introspection and self-reflection and every other kind of action. I I think that that's such an amazing journey. And I know that a lot of people, and also I do know that when we celebrate things like this, most people can get on board, but as just a little bit of a content warning, even if you are struggling with drinking and things like that, like there are services out there that can help you on that journey. And like also find your reasons and find how you can be better to yourself and be kind to yourself. Cause not the journey is hard. I mean, as Donna has tried this in the past to yeah be honest i have and i've i think the longest i've gone is a little over a month and mm-hmm. yeah so a, a year for me was something that was pretty unheard of yeah i didn't think that i could do this two years ago so yeah. well and especially because of the scenes that we're involved in um one of the things that i wanted to talk about during this section of the podcast is the fact that like uh, drinking is which we've said before and we won't go too much into that but for all of our new listeners who started off after the last few episodes uh we have talked about how drinking and drag culture is very aligned and um bar culture is very alive and well obviously when it comes to drag shows because that's where drag shows normally happen customarily yeah. happen it's changing but it's still mostly in bars yeah. and it's hard to be a drag queen and not drink um uh, Donna, talk about what happened on UK versus the world. Oh, yeah. So, spoiler alert. Well, I'm not going to really go into anything that any of the like big areas that happened in the episode that would spoil anything. But Baga and Juju were having this conversation because uh, basically they were writing song lyrics for this week's challenge. And Juju talked about how Baga had mentioned that, that that she likes to drink beer and all that kind of stuff. And um, it got onto their conversation about how alcohol abuse is something that is really prevalent in the drag community and how Baga still drinks in moderation, but used to be basically a full-blown alcoholic would blackout, binge drink, gin and, vo- you know, like straight up gin and vodka. And uh, Juju talked about how 
she has to abstain completely from Mm -hmm. alcohol because that is the only option, really. And I could relate with Juju in a lot of what she was saying because I feel like I'm the same way. I really did toy with the idea of drinking after my year, but I realized that it is such a slippery slope for me that once I get started it, it is very hard for me to stop because I chase that feeling of being drunk. And that was a problem. And I think trying to be present is something that I need in my life and alcohol takes me out of the present moment in a lot of ways. Uh, So yesterday... Um, and saying this on a podcast could seem really dangerous for me to do as such, but I'm going to be honest about one aspect. I do drink a lot, um, not necessarily amounts at a time, but like I'm involved in cultures who are drinking. It's just like kind of a consistent. Yeah. Um, I do have my rules and checks and balances in my brain, but I have also, so yesterday was probably like the first day in like months where I didn't drink at all because I've been heavily involved in like going out and trying to get new shows started for myself. And like, you know, you go to a business meeting at a bar and I do talk, I'm talking about one, just one cocktail, like go to a business meeting at a bar, you get one cocktail with the bar owner as you're talking about the show idea that you want to do because like, I don't order food. Like I'm on a really strict diet and I've lost almost 40 pounds, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, but like, so I, but I don't eat, like yeah. I don't eat at the bars anymore. And that's actually where I gained so much weight. Eating at bars ruined my health, just yeah. ruined my health. Yeah. And like, so I've stopped eating at bars, period. Um, and so when I go in, like I'll get a cocktail with the bar owner as we're talking about ideas. So what was really eye opening even about that is just like a really hard look in the mirror being like, you, you drink every single day mm-hmm. um, because of being in this culture and like I was thinking about what bag like Don, what Donna told me about what Baga said mm-hmm. um, and would I want to be a person who feels sober but still drinks from time to time with um, you know like like, it, like a lot of people who are above the age of 40 mm-hmm. uh, only drink when like it's like a party for like you know family or it's like wine at a wedding or champagne yeah uh, at a business meeting, right? It's like those three things. It's the only time they drink and they can't even remember usually the last time they drank. And maybe I eventually will become one of those people. Yeah. Um, and as I lose weight, drag is getting less uncomfortable again, which is really great. And so like drinking isn't like, I'm not trying to go get a drink immediately the second I walk into the bar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's kind of been great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. I think that it's not a one-size-fits-all thing, honestly. Um, I think our our culture is very accepting of alcohol, and alcohol is extremely prevalent. So for people who do abstain completely, it's very hard to honestly feel seen in a, in a lot of scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've, I mean, I've only, it's only been a year for me. But I definitely am still at the point where it's, like, hard for me to really, like, be around it because it was such a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that a lot of people who haven't been drinking for years say they're like, oh, I just don't really get invited to those parties anymore, and that's fine. And um, a lot of people have talked about how everyone sees them as boring now. And, yeah, I mean, my life is a, is a bit less, like... There's less bad in my life, though. That's yeah. that's the thing. Is like my life ba- may be a little bit boring, but I'd le- rather have it be boring than have like constant stress and anxiety, like I was having, and the alcohol fueled that. 
I um so and actually this is where I can get real real um I was at a show recently with a person who's recently canceled me it's actually my episode about uh uh green yeah uh, I was at the same show with that person and uh I actually decided when I arrived that I would not um, be in the dressing room. I would just change in my car because mm-hmm. I wanted everybody to feel safe and comfortable. We're all here to make money. We're all drag artists. We all do different types of art and we all want to make as much coin as humanly possible. And yeah. I thought the best way to do this is just to remove myself from making anyone feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. Um, but when I got there, um, and also I, uh, um, Adam did not come inside with me either. Um, mm-hmm. He just waited in the car the whole time. So when I got in there, I was kind of just sitting there and I decided to just order myself a cocktail. And um, I was actually spending a, a feeling a lot of social anxiety mm-hmm. from that moment. Uh, and the drinking did help to where then I could go talk to audience members who got there early to say, like, hi, I'm Coco. Mm-hmm. Like, are you gonna, like, what are you ordering? Like, what are you drinking? Like, you know, like, get my name out there, make new fans. Because that yeah. stuff, that part is really difficult. But to, the reason I'm bringing it up is to talk about that boring side is that, like, before that, the producer of the show came up and said, are you okay? Like, are you good? I was like, I was like, I just arrived. Um, I just need my cocktail because I do have social anxiety. And, like, I was like... Uh, like, cause I was just like, I had my first sip in when the producer came over mm-hmm. and I was like, oh yeah, like I just need to get this drink down and like, you know, so I can like go out there and like talk to these people and like, you know, do my thing. Cause brunches are early and they're hard Yeah, for that reason alone. And so, but the thing about the boring thing is, yeah, when me and Donna did a month of sobriety before she went on her sober journey, uh, like, yeah, people will make comments like, God, you were so much more fun when you would drink because you would just be wanting to stay out later and you'd want to do more and whatever. But I can tell you right now, oh, also part of the story is when I'm drinking, hard moments are difficult for me. I know that drinking like alcohol is a depressant, but what gets really hard for me is I can't logic my way out of the sadness. If yeah. I'm drunk or even you spiral. I spiral. And I feel it's not, that. It's not vocally outward for me. Yeah, it's not for but you. It's it. But it ruins your night. Mess. It can ruin your entire it night. It ruins the whole night. Yeah. It ruins the show I'm at. Yeah. It ruins my performances. Like it just wrecks me sideways. For me, the anxiety would come the day after. The mm. the anxiety was never during while I was drinking. It would get rid of temporary anxiety for me. But because of the way I acted while I was drunk, I would get anxiety because I was like, what sort of fucking monster was unleashed last night that I and that I was projecting because that's what it fucking is. You know, like for me, it was projecting some like real fucking demons. And instead of doing that, now I'm trying to come up with ways to cope. And the reason why I say trying to is because I don't have it figured out all after a year. You know, a year is just a number. Um, Healing isn't linear. I've said that a lot on this podcast. Healing is not linear. Healing is not linear. Um, I've had so many ups and downs in this year, and it hasn't been easy. Honestly, abstaining from drinking has not been easy um, when it was something that was part of your everyday, practically, for the past decade. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I mean, and here's the thing about the healing not being linear. It's like... Like I always said, like Donna's problem wasn't necessarily the picking up the bottle. It was when the bottle was picked up. Yeah. It was not put down. It wasn't put down. Yeah. Right. Which is just as bad. It's still alcoholism and everything. But what happens with that is then 
you're like, well, I don't even want to even want to be in those environments because I'll be tempted to drink not from the bottle, but because of the situation. Yeah, it's the situation. It's the situation. Yeah. Like, and that's, and that is, that's why it would be so hard for me to be sober right now. Because sometimes, like, the social anxiety conversation, yeah. like... Or if someone comes up and they decide they want to hash out this conversation at the bar, at the oh, show God, where you're everyone at. Everyone wants to hash out every car, every bar, every conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, girl, can we talk? No. No, we can't. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to right now. <laughs> well, I mean, just having those boundaries. Like, that's that's my big thing is, like, saying no is okay. It's fucking okay to say no. <laughs> it's super okay. I, I've said no so many times in this mm-hmm. last year. and But it's because I'm, like, trying to enforce these boundaries that I have for myself because I know who I am. And I know that if I'm in, like, the wrong kind of situation, I may act my worst. And my worst is when I drink. So... I just, you know, it's something that I've had to do to kind of, like, protect myself is is make sure that I'm really enforcing those boundaries. And it's something mm-hmm. that I'm still, like I said, I'm still learning how to do. It all doesn't happen in the in a year. Um, I've been through therapy in this last year. I do kind of want to talk about, like, recovery and what that's meant for me in this respect because yeah. mine has been very unconventional from what other people do. Um, I went to therapy almost every single month this year. Um and I also, um, yeah, I, I well, talk. No, actually, let's get into this part. Yeah, a little bit more deeper. And I have some questions about this uh-huh. and stuff. I know the answers to, but I think our listeners would really like this. Yeah. Um, you didn't like traditional AA. I didn't. No, I didn't. And I find it odd that it is okay. So this is where I may get some flack from people, but I do find it odd that it is uh, AA and the twelve step programs that are the most widely um, accepted form of like healing and recovery um, because it is like I've said in the past widely based in Christianity um, and although that is not like a driving message of AA you just have to accept a higher power um, it is something that still for me was a bit it brought up some religious trauma for me honestly oh, the meeting I that i was in yeah the but meeting yeah. the meetings that i went to because it was like just so like reading from the script and it was like all in unison and it just like just kind of like you're powerless to your to your addiction mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff it it did make me feel like i was in church all over again and in like pentecostal church wow. um i never even considered that and it was hard for me to get through those meetings and I tried to be really open-minded when I was first going, um, but it was kind of hard for me. And also... Well, yeah, because you're packing... You're, I remember some of the times... Let's really get into it. Like, mm-hmm. I remember some times when you would be, like, real, real blackout drunk when we were, you know, like, eight years younger. Yeah. <laughs> and you would be on these rants about religion and, yeah. and what you went through and the, it's some really deep traumas that you went through. Yeah. So I could see that route to recovery doing that i mean like yeah. that's not a negative thing to say like mm-hmm. yes the program does work for a lot of people for a lot of people it does and i also some other qualms i have with aa and the 12 steps is that it is something that is based in like colonization and is something I mean, that it is. that mostly white men benefit from the only 12 percent of women are in aa groups and like 12-step programs oh. um so it and it is prime predominantly white men that make up these meetings older white men that make up these meetings oh. um 
And so that is something that I think needs to be at least examined. Um, Did you ever find queer men? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did go to queer meetings. Um, and even then, it was still <laughs> even then. And even then, it was still kind of hard for me. I just think that there are better recovery alternatives, and that's just for me. Um, the Satanic Temple does sober faction, which is completely non-religious based recovery. Um, there's also Smart Recovery, um, which is more psychologically based. Um, so there are other options out there. Um, I just find it strange that AA is the most popular in our country when there are a lot of other alternatives out there. And like I've said before, I don't think recovery is one size fits all. I think that there are so many different methods for people to abstain from drinking. And yeah, for me, that was going to therapy and just removing myself from the scene where I found myself getting drunk. Right. Well, and that's why this event that we're actually throwing, our Gem of a Secret podcast live, Mm -hmm. is actually going to be a sober event. Yeah. Um, And we're actually doing a sober social coming Mm -hmm. up in a couple weeks, and we'll talk about it on next week's episode. Yeah. Which will be super exciting um, to actually marry up, you know, having giving people a sober place to really experience the same things that you do in a nightclub. Yeah, and I do want to say, too, if there are people who are um, suffering with triggers from being out in venues that you know, there is alcohol. Um, I, we completely do understand that. So don't feel pressured to come out. If you are someone who is like in the beginning of your recovery, because I can understand how like even going out some places that can be triggering. Uh, we will have, but actually, cause some of the triggers involve seeing the bottles. What we're doing is actually we have a full mocktail menu that we're going to have like a creative fun drinks to still be able to mm-hmm. like have a good time. And they're actually curtaining off all the liquor, which is something that they don't do at a lot of sober things when mm-hmm. we do them at bars. And that is a trigger for some people. So uh, if you do have any questions about the steps we're taking, please mm-hmm. write us on our website and we can talk to you about it. But as Donna said, if you're just not there yet, even if the bottle's hidden and yeah. like it's sober all night long or whatever, um, because like the bars next to the place aren't necessarily sober places, right? So like yeah. I get it. It can still be an environment for you. But just keep in mind, I mean, but for those of you who are always looking for a place to not feel tempted, this might be something that you could maybe try. Yeah. 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 Um, and but to get back into it, I know small p small announcement. Yeah, <laughs> uh, is the other thing about the road to recovery too is I so one of the things that Donna did that I saw is like she did just kind of pull away not from like the scene but kind of like everything in general, mm-hmm. and that to a degree obviously is incredibly isolating, but it also worked mm-hmm. for like many past recovery right yeah like, worked for her to do that. Um, and it's not like she was completely isolated. She has roommates in a group chat. Yeah. And like, and she had work outside of the house. So like, she's still seeing people. Still I have doing work. Things. I have work friends too. And yeah. I have, you know, now I have a boyfriend. Yes. Donna has a boyfriend now that I've never met, which is yeah. super weird. That's never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying the night at his apartment this weekend. Yeah, so it's a red flag that I haven't met him. Um, <laughs> that is be a red flag until I meet him. <laughs> Well, you will eventually, probably next month, Jesus. this month. <laughs> um, but the other thing too that I wanted I wanted to touch on real quick about the sober journey is that, um, I've been saying this to, so, I have a lot of close people in my life struggling with 
the scary sides of alcohol. Yeah. That, um, remember how I said that Donna didn't necessarily have the trigger of like picking up the bottle. I have a couple of close friends who are right now in the thick of like the bottle. Yeah. Um, they can't even keep it down. They're hiding it. They steal liquor. Um, they hide bottles. Like the, the whole thing you see on a lifetime movie. Yeah. And I can tell you right now that like, and I said this to Donna, I've said it to many people and I might be wrong in this and catch some flack, but I believe a person can't be sober until they want to be sober. No matter how much someone else outside is encouraging them to do so, you might be encouraging them to be sober, but it might be just for a few days. They have to want to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And the consequences usually are not enough. No. Unless the consequence is something that is devastating to their soul. They accidentally killed somebody drunk driving. Uh, they lost their dream job. Uh, their parents have disowned them. Like, a deep consequence that fits their soul well, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like, look at... I, I, sorry to bring it back to me, but, <laughs> like, <laughs> I was I was taking alcohol classes back in Colorado because I had gotten arrested for drinking and driving. And that wasn't enough for me to quit drinking. Yeah. It wasn't. I had consequences. I had legal consequences um, for a couple of years, uh, financial consequences. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it it wasn't enough for me. So it it can take many consequences sometimes for it to happen. But it still is going to be, at the end of the day, a decision that you make even if a consequence got you there because Mm -hmm. you're not going to be sober. Like say it is like you just hurt a friend's feelings and that's what devastated you. Once you even repair the relationship with the friend, what's going to make you still want to continue being sober, right? It has to be a decision for you and whatever you want to do. And then putting those tools in place and using all of your resources to keep yourself sober. And yes, that's what people sometimes use the 12 step program for is as the resource, as the toolkit. But there also has to be other mechanisms for you to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I wanna do this for me because of X, Y, and Z reasons. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the only way people can be successful in any sober journey. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think it does take honestly having some sobering moments like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Bringing it back to how I was feeling tonight. I don't even know why I said (laughs) the thing is I don't know why I said sobering but it just didn't make sense and I just was like okay whatever yeah there we go um (laughs) but I think it does take having those types of moments to get there I am proud of you for this journey um I thank you what's kind of weird about it though too at the same time is that like I know like I always okay I'm going to say something that is incredibly problematic, and I'm going to say it as well as I can, but I'm really also sick and tired, and I think Donna can probably admit this after her year of being sober. Yeah. I'm really sick and tired of people blaming drinking on the core problem of their life. Yeah. Like, I have, I hear phrases like, this would be, and I'll just say the word perfect, this will be perfect if drinking wasn't involved. Mm-hmm. And like that, that doesn't mean like you're going to get your life together or go to school or start being successful or productive or whatever, because drinking is out of your life. You have to want to do those things. And then also when it comes to other people, and here's a problematic part, what I hear often is, people are going to hate this. Our relationship is perfect when he's not drinking. That phrase has so many red flags on both parties' sides because drinking can detriment a relationship. 
Absolutely. But there are usually reasons about why a person drinks that go unexplored because we just blame them. I think drinking. drinking in a lot of ways can expose our shadow, our shadow self. Yeah. The parts that we hide, our subconscious. Um, this is going to get really Freudian, but I think that it can kind of expose our Freudian excuse. Um why our behavior is shitty because we were hurt in our childhood by someone and like this is why we are the way that we are so we're just gonna let it all out when we drink yeah. um but yes. you're, that the thing is those emotions that that freudian excuse is always going to exist and you're always going to find a way to not take accountability by saying well this is how i was raised and instead of using it as a justification for your actions i think you can let it humanize yourself by acknowledging that it exists at least and that it is a part of you and that you're doing better to try and heal that. Yeah. That is a really great way of saying that because I have been, uh, my heart has been broken recently with, um, some of the alcohol driven circumstances of people. I care about a lot and it woke up some triggers in me that I've been struggling with. Like my depression has been real high this week because of some of the things that I saw and witnessed over the last week alone Mm -hmm. and everybody around me. And I'm almost getting a little upset by it. Everybody just keeps blaming the drinking. Yeah. Like it's the drinking is why this sucks. The drinking is why this is awful. The drinking is why this is happening. And I'm like, Good grief, y'all. There are issues here. Like, so in the sense deeper of... Deeper issues. There's deeper is- Exactly. So I will go back to what Donna said about the shadow self stuff. Like, I do caution people to not blame drinking as the reason that everything is terrible. And when Donna first started her so- sober journey, she was doing a lot of that herself, too. Mm-hmm. But as she sobered up more, we would have these deep conversations. Be like, I've recognized about myself this thing which would also be part of that shadow self stuff yeah and then donna would start working on those issues and yeah so i guess i could say the drinking kept her from discovering that and maybe working on it yeah maybe but the drinking wasn't why that personality trait existed in the first place. i agree with that completely i think that the drinking keeps you from actually healing i think i think it's a distraction it's a distraction i think it's like yeah it keeps those wounds open it keeps them bloody and it keeps it to where you can bleed on other people a lot Um, so when you're doing like shadow work and like reflecting on yourself and going to therapy and journaling and all that kind of shit, um, which by the way is not a fun process also like a spiritual awakening and like healing in any kind of way is not fun. It is very messy and it looks like depression and it looks extremely isolating, but you are healing in the process of doing it. (laughs) Like People think that your spiritual awakening is going to be like the sun, like I'm dancing around and I'm like, everything's great, good vibes, you know, whatever, like very aesthetic. It's not like an awakening like this is in yourself is something that is extremely isolating and it feels very depressing at times. Yeah. Um, And that's also why I say that healing isn't linear because you have moments Mm. like that. Um, yeah. I still have a lot of moments where I'm too depressed to get out of bed. And I'm recognizing that even with alcohol, without alcohol, I do have some of those wasted days. Not as many because I'm not so hungover to where I can't get out of bed, but I still do have those issues. Well, and then I also had the trigger yesterday of the one day of not drinking. 
um, my depression was like, oh, you, because I had a day off. Uh-huh. I stayed at home. I didn't really hang out with anybody. I took a night off from show promotion and everything, and I just sat at home and like spent time with my husband and watched some TV. Yeah. And my depression came back out of nowhere, and it was just like, I am right here. And it's because of that stuff I saw earlier this week. Uh-huh. I had a moment to myself where I wasn't getting ready for a show, as my life is always just getting ready for a show. And that the depression came and like literally I was just incapacitated mm-hmm. by the depression because it was just like overwhelming about how sad I felt and how raw those emotions were of stuff that I haven't unpacked in a long time. And I do and in like a couple episodes do want to unpack why that situation was so traumatic. Yeah. Um, but it was a heavily involved drinking situation. So like I get like being alone with yourself can sometimes be horrible. Yeah. Being alone with your thoughts when you're sober can sometimes be scary. Well, because you're having to re-examine why you think this way all right. the time. Like something that my therapist taught me was taking your negative self thoughts and like bad impressions of yourself to court. So like if you were to take these negative things about yourself to a, a court, you had a jury, you had a judge and everything, mm-hmm. would it hold up? Like, what evidence that would be presented about that would hold up? And if it's not rational and it's not something that holds up, it's something that you need to re-examine and work on, obviously. Yeah. You know? I absolutely agree with that. I think that as much as we... And I know that me and Donna, like, this podcast should be called, like, a Donna and Coco going on a journey of, like, you know, trying to process trauma and whatever. But, like, (laughs) it is. It's true. Like, these things are damaging and they they're really hard to mm-hmm. recognize. And like, I've had moments where I've like, cause my confidence is going up cause I'm losing weight. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking in the mirror and like, cause I'm older now and I have gray hair and I, I'm trying to decide who I am mm-hmm. in the world. Like I had this overwhelming moment. One of the last things I want to say, I had this overwhelming moment like today, actually specifically at, at the time of filming this, where I realized one of my friends had told me, he was like, all of your friends are, like, attractive. And, like, and like and stuff like that. But he really meant all of my friends. He wasn't talking about me, all of my mm-hmm. friends. And what what got me about that was, like, I already know, like, I play the deaf in a lot of my designated ugly fat friends. The deaf in a lot of my circles. And I, and he made a comment, he's like, but you don't recognize how fierce you are. The thing about it is, my drag persona is the person who a lot of drag is a separation of that Mm -hmm. like and whatever and the drinking helps me be in that role because outside of drag i don't feel in that role yeah right and then that can become intoxicating in itself and can become like something that you become dependent on so you can feel that way so you can feel in that position of power because your life might not be built that way yeah but as i've been losing weight and feeling more confident in my own blood and in my own skin like it it changes it's literally changing how i view alcohol and needing to have that cover story for when i'm doing things yeah i want to um read something that actually my sister sent me this and it's because so my sister is one of those people that saw what alcohol did to our family and then just never took a drink and never indulged in anything like that so she witnessed what it did to other people and was able to completely abstain from it and never have it be a problem for her i do like this thing that she shared for me uh to see and it was basically 
just this post that said, one of the brave things that you can do in our society is to stop drinking alcohol. Those friends that you have to drink to be around so you can loosen up, you start to realize that if they were your people, you wouldn't need liquid courage to feel like you fit in every time you're around them. I felt that way so many times in the drag scene. Like, just trying to exist and trying to be friends with some of the people. Um, But yeah, I digress. Um, It's the realization that almost everyone drinks and plans events around drinking, which catapults you into a lifelong endeavor of finding a crew that doesn't need to drink to have a good time. It's attending an event you can't get out of where everyone is drinking and you're the only sober person and coincidentally the only person who appears to be making sense. And it's also dealing with the ingrained social conditioning that has briefly that has you briefly feeling alone, lonely and isolated as the sober person in a room full of pe- people three sheets to the wind. It's doing the math and realizing that all the money you spent on drinking that could have been spent better spent on investing in yourself, your dreams, your experiences, and the things that you'll actually remember. It's the courage to stand firm when everyone else is trying to pressure you. It's realizing that the biggest reason you drank was to numb out to a society systemically set to make you drunk, unhappy, overwhelmed, anxious, depressed, and stressed the fuck out. It comes to terms, it's coming to terms with the idea that your drinking is keeping you in a perpetual cycle of drowning your problems and forgetting them for another day. It's realizing how shitty drinking is for you, especially to the point of blacking out, and how being out of commission due to a gnarly hangover isn't a way to spend precious fleeting moments of your life. It's being brave enough to confront your demons and not seek out another vice to take its place. It's digging through the muck to find out who you truly are when booze isn't in the equation. Cheers, and here's to hoping this strikes a nerve with some people. That's fair. Yeah. It's an endless journey, it feels like. And it will will continue to be. Yeah. I mean, it just will continue to be. Every New Year's Eve party at the office, uh, the champagne toast at your daughter's wedding. Yeah. You know, like, Things like that. Um, yeah. Getting a drink to talk to the clients. Mm-hmm. To, you know, um, going to a restaurant with your family. It's the most widely accepted vice in our society. Yeah. And it's not this way always in other cultures, you know. Like, some people, like, drink with all their meals. Some cultures, like, especially in Europe, drink with all their meals. Mm-hmm. Um and there's not this like whole binge drinking culture that is as pushed, I think, in some places. Um, yeah. Obviously, I think there's still like issues with alcoholism in other cultures, but um, it seems that we use it as a way to escape here in the U.S. Yeah. Because it's too hard. Mm-hmm. It's too hard. Yeah. But to leave it on a positive note, yeah, this is really awesome that Donna was able to complete this journey. And hearing her stories, I hope that other people out there maybe want to reach out to her on social media or talk to us on our website at a gem of a secret podcast dot com. Um, as we're growing our audiences, we'd love to hear from our fans. We'd love to hear yeah. what's going on in your lives if you've had this journey before. Um, we are going to be starting a TikTok for this podcast alone. Um, so we can start posting snippets there um, so you all can communicate with us there. Um, and then, of course, tune in when we do the Gem of a Secret podcast live, uh-huh. which will be super fun and kind of awful at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah, 
<laughs> well, it'll be super fun. Let's be positive. <laughs> it'll be super fun. Um, it will be actually super fun. We haven't decided yet if we're going to have regular episodes or can or consider those bonus episodes yet. Yeah. Because um, I don't know how the audio quality will turn out for you because you'll hear audience members. That's true. Um, so we're still working out all the bugs. We'll figure out what happens with it. But Yeah. Yeah, we will let you know. But just stay tuned for that because that's going to be something, an expansion of this little podcast that we have been working on for the last couple of years. And it's because of all of you sharing our stories and telling people to come listen to what Coco said about this situation that happened that we got <laughs> on the radar of a local queer establishment and they yeah. want to bring this live. So that's really cool. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for that. Um, Catch us next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.